0: You're listening to another Mariners podcast, by the fans and for the fans, with news and views on the Clareton Blues. Yeah, no one, man, have a listen. Good afternoon or good evening everyone, and welcome to a, a rather strange edition of the Mariners podcast, because of course we all find ourselves in um, unparalleled and unprecedented times um, facing very much uncharted waters, um, not just through South Shields Football Club, but in life in general. But of course, as a result of, of what's going on in the world, um, football, as well as everything else, has been put on hold for the foreseeable future. But we just felt that um, we just had to do something and uh, talk about the club, given the fact that we've had a, an incredible two, three weeks since, since we last got around the table. Um, Joining myself, Chris May, this afternoon, I've got uh, Ronnie Pete, and um, I'm delighted to say we've got Dan Prince from the club. Good afternoon, gentlemen. And um, for those of you thinking, oh, either they're not um, sticking to government guidelines, where we find ourselves using their Microsoft team meeting, we're all at home. And we're on, we are on, we can see each other. We're on webcams. You're listening, in, of course. So we're doing everything by the book, keeping safe, like I hope everybody else is. Um, gents, it's been a an incredible two, three weeks since, since the last pod. Um, the last one was, we were pretty critical. We were candidly critical of a lot of things. Um, but since then, um, on and off the pitch, um, in my view, the club have been um, absolutely terrific. Um, we, we went into a phase of what were seen to be critical matches um, and we cannot fault the players and management in any way for, with regards to those performances. Um, Bamber Bridge away, Nantwich away, FC United at home. Uh, lads, I, I, would you agree with me in saying that those performances are kind of just what the doctor ordered and really kind of just, just indicate how good of a squad we have?
1: Yeah, I think the last podcast obviously said we, there, there was some kind of forthright opinions there, but I think they were coming from the right place. and I think our, our main worry was the home form. Yeah um but you know i think what we can say is the the club on and off the field have have done magnificently to kind of turn around which which was a a little bit of a i thought was a bit of a blip and i think at the end of the podcast last time we were kind of saying we'll find out soon enough whether it was a, a major fundamental problem um or just a blip that that they can recover from and i think hindsight's a wonderful thing. But if you look back, yeah, it looks like it was just a blip. And you have those kind of blips in a, in a season. I think um, what I have noticed is a change in formation. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously with Blair Adams back, yeah. that's also given us wit. But like the last game, which we'll go into a little bit more detail about later, what struck me the most was the amount of times we were attacking uh, FC United down the wings, yes. getting crosses in, and I think we said on the last one we said before it's like give Gilchrist Gilchrist the ammunition uh, from either side wide, and that's what he needs, or through the middle, and he'll do the business. And you know, in a create space for other players, yeah. um, and just the general attitude and the general general energy seemed to have just took off a bit. Um, so yeah, I think you know we, on this podcast we want to we want to always say what we think and we believe backed up with facts and mm-hmm. logic. Um, and I think there was a little bit in it. Um, but I've, you, you've got to admit that the, the, the performances and, uh, results off the pitch since then have been second to none. Absolutely brilliant.
0: Yeah. Dan, Dan, you were at, um, obviously all of the games. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't at Nantwich. I was at Bamber Bridge with you. Um, Obviously, that Bamba Bridge game was a, a real eye opener because I, I just I was I was shocked at how good they were. Um, the energy Bamba Bridge had um, was in, was incredible. I, that second half, I
2: just thought at some point they were going to lose legs and they didn't, did they? No, they were really good. Um, I think they showed in that game why they were worthy winners against FC United a few weeks earlier as well. <laughs> We knew going into that game how difficult it was going to be because you never get an easy game against Bamber Bridge um, in any circumstances, really. So I think the the way that the lads came through the tough test, ignoring the league position that Bamber Bridge were in, because I don't think it's a it's a real true reflection of what they are as a side. Um, no. I think it was a really good effort from the lads to get through that. Now mm.
0: well, you were the only one of us who was at Nantwich. Um, obviously, we just went off the the commentary from uh, from Gary and Michael. Um, so obviously you, you don't get the, the same feeling as you w- would if you were there but w- from listening in it was it was workmanlike
2: would you go with that or was it more than that Dan? Well a, a bit more than that but I would say that they did what they had to do to win that game um, we actually matched them up formation wise so we knew that they were going to be playing five at the back so we went five at the back as well Yeah, which kind of nullified the advantages that they would get from that system because we were, I think the management backed our players man-for-man man to be better than Nantwich man-for-man. Man. Yes. And it worked. Um, obviously, it was only a, a one-goal victory, but there were other chances in that game for us, and, and Nantwich opportunities were quite rare. Um, but I think there, there were challenges within that game as well, because there was obviously three and four substitutions through injuries, Yes, which just keep hitting us and keep hitting us. Yeah. but We managed to get through it. Um, I think... That, I think that each of the last two or three games we've had to make three and four substitutions. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a real challenge to to cope with that, really. Of course it is. Which takes us to the... Which was, you know, billed
0: as the the match of the season. And it just didn't disappoint. The FC United game, which it was a kind of... It really was a uh, six-pointer in many respects. But the build-up... To that game, I guess Dan was like no other. Um, I'm going to guess that from about 72 hours in before the game, there would be the question mark over whether it was going to take place. Uh, just Can you give the listeners just a, a bit of an insight into uh, what you guys had to put up with, I guess, um, leading up to that particular game?
2: Well, understandably, there was constant questions about the game um, on social media, about whether it was going to go ahead, but there was very little that we could say until we had any clarification from multiple sources, really. So it was government advice, it was FA advice, and then it was league advice. Yeah. Not that we got left to the league and they decided to to press ahead because they said that while the health of the participants in terms of the players, staff and supporters was paramount importance, Mm -hmm. they also had to place the health of the clubs in terms of finances yes. is a part of their decision as well um, because I think that they knew in their hearts that eventually it would get to a stage where we couldn't play football for a, for a while so I think they just yeah. wanted to press ahead and get that game on but for 72 hours before the game it was all about trying to prepare as normally as possible for a game of that magnitude whilst also knowing that it might not even happen so it was in terms of selling tickets mm-hmm. it was queued through the, throughout the week really for the FOD tickets um, releasing e-tickets that were bought online that was like that was very time taking in, in the lead up to the game and then there was things like producing programmes um, ordering food we weren't sure how much food to order up because we didn't yeah. know if the game would be on all these, all these different things ordering drink but thankfully the, the game did go ahead and it was a massive success on and off the pitch really
0: Yeah I mean there, w- there was there was um, criticism um, <coughs> from many angles from many places um, about the Northern Premier League's decision to, to go ahead, which was in line, actually, with the National League as well, it has to be said, um, you know, putting money before health, etc. But my, my take on it was that whilst the government um, hadn't put a block on it, then you follow... I, I've been following government guidelines from from day one. I'm taking my, my lead from them daily. And at that point... Um, nobody did anything
1: wrong um so the guidelines at that point was you know you, you've got to assess your own personal circumstances and, and make the decision mm. you know the when you listen to the, the scientists they're saying, you know that they're, they're trying to control this the uh, the curve of the virus so i don't think the the, the scientists wanted everyone to be self-isolated at that particular no. time because yeah. they wanted a steady flow of um of people contracting it so the health services can um, can deal with it and it's not a huge spike. So, But that said, everyone had to really do an assessment. I mean, I've done an assessment on, on kind of the risk for me going and I decided to go in the end um, yeah. be- because, I, you know, it's my personal choice. And I think a lot of people would have done a lot of soul searching. I know a few people who kind of worked in um, with people, vulnerable people um, who were on the, the kind of, the virus risk, um, yes. if you like, um, and they made a good decision not to go because that was their that's their circumstances. Um, so it was a very interesting kind of social experiment, if you like, in the how people react when, in essence, what it was, was a choice. It wasn't yes. forced, it was your choice. And I think that's okay to have a choice. Um, you know, so there, there will be times probably when the government will force things and they're, they're starting to do that now. Like you say, we can only us and the club can only follow the guidelines, and and that's what we did.
0: Yeah. Currently, we have no regrets about putting the putting the game on. Um, predominantly no. because I, I don't, as far as I am aware, no one who was at that game is now a virus carrier. I might be wrong, but I don't think. Um yeah. just what a what an incredible day. Um, yeah. That took me back to kind of
1: the vase days. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, overall, it's it's a day I'm, I don't think I'll ever forget. It was like it was there was just a walk into the ground, and it just there just seemed to be a serenity around the ground, you know. It's, it's it's like,
0: like, a, it was like, it was almost like a a low key carnival, if you like. Everybody yeah. was there for the right reasons. Nobody was going to go and. Nobody was going to cause any trouble. No, I know there was, there was um, segregation, which is fair enough, but everybody seemed to be in the kind of jovial spirit.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I detected a feeling amongst everyone that, you know, this is probably going to be the last time for a while, so we might as well enjoy it. Yes. Um, and, I, and I think that positivity around the ground rubbed off on the players. Because I mean we'll cover the game in more detail later, but like some of the energy and the positivity of the players, I think that that whole ground kind of just rubbed off on them. Yeah. Um and you know, that game was a not only a credit to the league and non league football as a whole, but the town and the whole of the north east. Yeah. And I mean the PR the PR around it after was like unbelievable. It was well, really nice to see.
0: It was. I mean, Dan. You know, on say at five o'clock on l- last Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. Can you sum up your feelings? You know, just after after what years I had to put up with for seventy two yeah. hours. You know, and at five o'clock, we had would would be would be entertained with the probably the best game of football at Mariner's Park in living memory.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, sum up your feelings. I just had a feeling of almost release, if you know what I mean, because before the game, there was a a lot of stress. Um, I would say, especially on the morning of the game, there was a lot of things to do. So, in terms of we got into the ground quite early on Saturday morning and we discovered that on the ticketing system, a lot of people had bought tickets overnight. Yeah. But they were all, a lot of them were tickets that were selected for collection. So, we, we had to print, I would say, 200 tickets. Put them all in envelopes, individual envelopes, put people's names on them, take them to the turnstiles on top of everything else that we'd normally do on a match day as well. Yes. Um, and basically the, the the issues sort of kept racking up before the game. There was just a lot of jobs to do in a short space of time for, for a short amount of people. So yeah. um, when, the, when the game kicked off, that was kind of a release because that was it. We were almost yeah. through it then and we could just enjoy the football. And then after the game a bigger release it was a bit of a mixture of emotions though because um like R- ronnie said it, i think there was a, a feeling of inevitability that was gonna be the last game for quite a while so there was a bit of sadness in it as well the sadness mm. that we couldn't i won't get the chance to build on that momentum yeah anytime yeah. soon um because it would be great to have another game the following week and to see how any of those fans we could have retained and and see if we would grow things that way but we are gonna have to wait for that one i think now we
0: are i, I going to just Moving on from that point there, you know I'd said in previous podcasts about how often we'd had big crowds this season, and we just kept fluffing our lines We had first time supporters you know, but last Saturday was just everything you know you got three thousand two hundred and fifty people who, who who would witness probably the game of the season and the game of the last three seasons, i guess um and and the momentum that had been built up from that you you'd get people coming back, I've no doubt. And it would have been Morpeth as well, wouldn't it, on the Tuesday night?
2: Yeah. So
0: you who know who knows what what could have happened? Even on a Tuesday night, you could have seen a crowd of two and a half thousand people. <laughs>
1: um
0: but um after the game, um Ronnie, you looked as though you enjoyed yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did. So I mean, just I was just gonna say that the icing on the cake for the whole thing was, you know, these different fans from the different clubs mingling yeah. together after the game. And it was just like it was amazing, there was no animosity, it was all friendly banter, Um, you had like people, concert, Swansea, Sheffield United, was talking to them all, and you know, I I am going to admit that I got carried away with it all and ended up on the karaoke, and uh, I think in my heart of hearts, I just didn't want to leave the club, because I just knew it would be a long time before I'd come back, and... Um, ironically, I can't actually remember leaving the club. So well,
0: you were messaging me at eleven o'clock with a load of rubbish. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> it was late at eleven o'clock.
1: It was a great, to a great day. I kind
0: of repeat what you what you sent us on uh, WhatsApp, but uh, it was uh, it was gobbledygook. I can tell you that. Um, I mean, Dan, did you did you partake in any of the after
2: match uh, pleasantries and uh, did you imbibe? Um, I I left the karaoke because I I went past the karaoke room. It it looked a bit, uh, I think they were a bit more advanced than than I was in terms of how many drinks I had during the day. So I thought I'd I'd not try and catch up. It's never a good idea. Um, So I went next door into the the Shipley Lounge. Um, There was a few of the management um, still in there. So I just Um, had a few drinks with them. And then we we actually ended up having a few drinks in South Shields as well. Yeah. It was almost like, it felt like breaking up for, for summer. School, I you know, had that yeah. sort of feel like it was the last day sort of thing so yeah i think we all had to just enjoy every moment we had because we knew that we knew what was going to come mm-hmm. in the following days yeah yeah um
0: it looked but looking at one of the photographs it looked as though uh graham fenton had had a couple as well he uh He, <laughs> whether that was just a camera or not i don't know but it as though we'd had a he'd had a good slurp um so let, let's talk about the game itself. Um, there was a lot of, you know, a lot in the build-up about it being the match of the season. It was the six-point. Um, I, I don't think anybody could have predicted just how good we were going to be in that first forty-five minutes. That yeah. was as good as South Shields' performance as I've ever seen.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, just going with what you said earlier, Ronnie, about the balance with Blair using the. You know, backer at right back because Jordan yeah. wasn't well, and um, you know, it's it's just you know when you, we've talked about backer this season about he's not a left back, but look, he he's, he still had a great season and to to slot into right back again, again it was just seamless. It was as if he played there all year. He's yeah. if it wasn't for Jordan, he would be the best right back in the league without a doubt.
1: Well, he knows and, that position inside out, and yeah, you could, you could and, see and that. he's brilliant. But were. People, I've read reports saying that FC
0: United were lacklustre in the first half. Is, is that actually being a little bit unfair on us? Yeah, that I, good? I think,
1: yeah, I think our speed, our energy, our width and our just like general positive play, mm. I think caught them completely cold. Yeah, I think it caught them cold. I, they, I don't think they know how to ha- We were attacking them from all angles. There was Mumba down the left. There was Gillies down the right. That's Josh Gillies. I mean,
0: Josh, Josh yeah. Gillies is kind of, um, th- and we can go back to the Bamba Bridge game about Josh because he was man of the match against Bamba Bridge. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I said, to, I think I might have said to somebody that day, I, I, I was probably going to have to eat a big fat slice of humble pie because, <laughs> um, I hadn't been a, I I haven't been a big fan of Josh. For a while, he clearly had problems with his hernia before the operation. Um, hadn't looked good at all since coming back, but again, you know, he looked as though he was fully fit again. It's as if like
1: the shackles came off him. And yeah, I mean, it's it's a fair comment. He hasn't. Uh, he probably had it himself that he hasn't matched his um his expectations and his standards. Mm-hmm. But there's a player in there. Yeah. I think Josh's Josh's challenge is how he, how can he get that kind of consistent performances like that day in day out, like someone like Nathan Law does, yeah. um, and I think that's always been his challenge throughout his career. But when he's on his game, at this level, he is very hot to handle. Very hard to handle.
0: It, it was as if, like you know, there was a a, a button, like a switch, flicked. Because he'd gone from being unable to put a cross in of any kind yeah. to actually not missing. I I, I can't I kinda of think of one cross or corner that he
1: didn't put on the money. Yeah. Uh, I think him playing wide, it just gives him a, like a simple a simple position to just say, right, I'm gonna stick on the wide, I'm gonna be there, I'm gonna beat me full back and I'm gonna put it in. Whereas when he's playing like one of three up front it's a lot more complicated because you've got to figure out where the other two are. Should I go left? Should I go right? What am I going to do when I get it on my left foot? Whereas if he's just on the right, he's got a nice kind of simple job to do that he understands. Um, and obviously with Baxter and Hunter supporting, them, we've got some great support. I just think simplifying the positions a little bit seems to uh, seems to help. But yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, I think, like just going back to what I said before, I think FC United would, we're totally taken by surprise at how fast we came out of the traps, how well we played, how well we kept the ball, how well we got the ball back. Defensively, we were really good um, in the first half. Um, And obviously, Gilchrist's finishing was brilliant. Brilliant.
0: Uh, uh, Talking about the first half, obviously the second half, um, I don't care who you are, if you lose your centre half and your left back. Yeah. um, And... Really, have midfielders coming on to show the gap? Um, I don't care who you are, you're going to struggle. And, um, obviously, yep. the center forward, who was red hot anyway, the player, yeah, took, uh, took advantage of the fact that we'd lost that stability at the back. But again, kind of, it, it was just like you fight fire with fire. So it, it was as if, like, well, we'll score, so they'll, so they've scored, we'll just go and score again. and
1: yeah, I I don't think I ever got worried because
0: no, I, I must admit I didn't. Um, there was I think, felt there was yeah. another goal in us. No, matter yeah, I think
1: what. I think it was all under control. And they they scored their first and made it three one, and then like we go down the pitch and Nathan Rose scores a belter of a goal mm. quite soon after to make it four one. You know, and it's like and then I'm up, the, like up on the it was like
0: on the PA system, didn't I? Because I said it was four um, nil. <laughs> I got carried away in the heat of the moment. <laughs> I think we all did. Um, people say it's four-one, man. It's four-one. Sorry, oh, no, people
1: <laughs> are really quick to point out mistakes. Aren't they? <laughs>
0: um, but then you know it, it goes to four-two, and then for me, Bali's goal was the goal of the game for me because it was just the way the move was was created and the ball, the ball again another fantastic ball in, and yeah. it was as if like as if the ball was sucked into the net. Um, Dan, when you're when you're tweeting and you're filming, um, mm-hmm. do you find it difficult to keep your emotions in check? Because I guess if you started celebrating stuff, you, yeah. the the, the, the yeah. pictures would go out of focus.
2: Yeah, I've kind of i kind of learned over the years how to how to suppress it. Really, I kind of just have an unemotional. Well, inside I'm, I'm obviously delighted when we score a goal, but I'm almost uh, unemotional because I'm trying to concentrate. Um, which sometimes like, on the gantry. Last Saturday, we had our analyst, Ryan, um, and yeah. we also had Wes Brown from the academy, um, and they were celebrating the goals, and I was kind of trying to get them to calm down a little bit because <laughs> even, even just a slight movement of your feet can make the gantry wobble a little, little bit, or make the wood yeah. wobble a little bit, which affects the picture quality. Yeah. But uh, no, I think I've only celebrated probably three goals in the whole whole of the last five years just because I, <laughs> I'm just concentrating, really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, the game itself, you know, it, it turned slightly in the second half when Shawzy and uh, Blair had to go off, and, and, and Gilly as well, but it's the defensive injuries mm-hmm. that really changed mm-hmm. the game to an extent. Um, we do get a... We, we seem to be so unlucky with injuries. We've just had catalogue after catalogue of injuries. Um, is that something, Dan, that worries Lee Graham, Brian, Andy, at all is it something that they've talked about the the constant catalogue of injuries, or is it do they feel as though it's just
2: bad luck? I think it is just bad luck. I i i I'm sure I'm sure they're they're looking at ways of how they can reduce injuries, but I just I just think it is generally bad luck. Um, I'm sure, like I say, I'm sure they will be looking at ways that they can try and minimise the risk of getting injuries. But I think that they're at the stage now where they're just realising it's been a tough season. Yeah, players maybe. Players maybe had to battle through injuries, and that might have to might have a knock-on effect down the line. But I don't think there's anything more they could have done this season really to, oh. to minimise these risks. It's just it's been one of those seasons. There's
0: been a lot of no, no not a lot, but there's been some talk from various supporters maybe concerned that is it because we have to train in the winter on on four G or three G pitches and then you train on them and then you go onto grass um, and it's a kind of. It's like muscles are having to react differently on the surfaces. Um, I wonder if there's any credence in that. Obviously, we're not we're not medics, we're not physios, mm. but um, there has been some talk. Um, but all in all, last Saturday, if you know, we knew we really knew in our heart of heart that that was going to be it, and and if that had to be it, then what a way to go out! Um, Twelve points clear. Um, in a league that we've said ronnie we've said before we should win the league by about 10 12 points with the squad we've got yeah we're now 12 points clear but it might mean nothing um devastating i mean dan i i know there'd be things you can and can't say <sighs> and I, I i guess that the the leagues our 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 the, the leagues at our level haven't really discussed anything because they'll follow, they'll take the lead of the FA, but um, has there been any kind of talk, there's been lots of talk on social media about null and void in leagues, waiting until, you know, following the professional line and and restarting the season whenever we have to, whether that's June, July, whatever. Has there been any discussion at all behind the scenes? And I know you can't divulge certain things, but has there been any Mm. talk?
2: Yeah, I'm sure people have been talking about it because obviously I think it's just natural that there's a, a concern there that all the hard work of this season could be for nothing. But there's nothing that we can really influence at this stage. And I think probably the important thing to stress is that in the grand scheme of things at this stage, it's, it's not really important because at the minute it's all about trying to get the the world through this through yes. this crisis, really. really. Um, and when the time comes, I'm sure football will play a, a massive part in Bringing joy back to people's lives again, Um, but in terms of how we're going to pick things up with the leagues as when they do, I just think there should be a clarity. If 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 there's going to be a decision made to continue the season no matter what, then they need to come out and say that. Yes. Whether it's October, whether it's next July, whether it's whenever this season will finish, because I think that's the only fair way to to get through this. Well, it it is. I think it is.
0: But this is non-league and. Mm A lot of players, a lot of players, I know leagues can restart whenever, but players'
2: contracts finish normally in May, don't they? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you could just treat it almost like an open transfer window. So, yeah. I'm sure before we get back into action, there'll be probably a month or or something like that where there'll be a preparation period where players will have to come back to training and Mm -hmm. I don't think they'll throw them straight back into the games. So that that month will be a chance for people to, if they need a bolster, the squads open open the transfer window up so that they can they can have a a squad mm-hmm. capable of of playing games. Um, because I know at the minute, if you look at teams, I haven't I haven't looked into it in too much detail, but I know teams like Nantwich are laying off players at the moment. Yeah, well, that's you
0: know, uh, we asked supporters, um if they want any questions answering this afternoon. And one of the first responses we had was from Ian Wilburn. And he's asked, you know, the the laying off of staff on and off the pitch at teams like Nantwich, could that actually implicate uh, any league's decision? Because if last Saturday matches were played and potentially Nantwich, if they played last Saturday, potentially whenever the season restarts, they may potentially none of those players will be at the club so therefore the teams are different so would 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 that implicate um on whether a season is null and void um that is a real can of worms and that i guess would open up all sorts of legal
2: things yeah. that's one of my concerns i mean i think it'll get to a stage where they'll have to make a decision on this season at, at this level certainly um in my opinion that you can't just cancel a season when it's this this late no. though it doesn't sit well um and i would say that whether we were first in the league or 12th in the league i don't think you can just write off what's happened in the last 7 or 8 months no. so if, if it comes to that stage where we can't play these last nine games then the only fair way that i can see is to go on for points per game ratio
0: yeah
2: or no one of the, one of the ideas being floated is that any team in a, in an automatic promotion place based on points per game we'll get promoted but nobody yep. will get relegated so all of the leagues will be slightly bigger next year yes and that may be another way to get round it
1: mm-hmm. I think from what I what I'm reading that I think the FA and the, the powers that be I think at the moment are probably planning and the, what they want to happen is we finish off this season because if we don't they're going to get litigation after litigation etc cetera, etc cetera. but the one thing on my mind was you know The FA and the Premier League aren't short of money, are they? No. No. It's like, why, you know how like the government have, not not to go into politics, but the government have released some money to help people through this the virus. Why aren't the the governors of football not doing that? To say to to teams like Nantwich and other teams, look guys, we're going to cover this for you because you're an important part of the football world. Which non-league is massively important and becoming more important, I think. Um, So let's let's help you out. Let's give you some relief so you can keep your players. So we can finish the season when this blows over. Why are they not doing what the government are doing? It's well, that's
0: that's another, Ronnie. That's another question altogether. You talked about the Football Association (laughs) and the Premier League. Yeah. Who are completely, completely? If you look at Premier League footballers, for instance, most of them are completely on another planet to the rest of us, and I don't mean that um, nastily or anything; they just live in a different world. It, it, yeah. They don't live in our world, so you could say that the, the the hierarchy in those, you know, in the football association and and the Premier League live in a different
1: world. And, um,
0: and yeah, that, you know
1: they... <laughs> Their whole mantra is football and mm-hmm. especially the FA and this is this is big trouble for football This could spell quite a lot of clubs going out of business And I think the great thing about English football is the amount of clubs that you've got the kind of diversity of those clubs Whether they're non-league or not People, like clubs can have a massive drop-down and then recover mm-hmm. and come up and go into the leagues and all that kind of stuff that's what. Yeah. That's the what beautiful about the beautiful thing about the game, and I think the FA have got to realize that and do something about it because I think they can. But I, I do take your point that they the don't have a great track record of of no. kind of doing the right thing. No. I think, um, um, one thing that came up
2: last week was that the the Premier League have released some of the solidarity payments for the league, clubs in League One and League Two early. Okay. So I, think got, I think they've got sixty-five million uh, between them. At the moment, it's even through this period, so, so it's trickled down to League One and League Two. Mm-hmm. I know the National League are now lobbying for something similar from the FA. I think they won 17 million for their clubs mm-hmm. for National North, National South and the, the National League. Yeah. So it, that has to trickle down and I know that, I, I believe our league are lobbying for something similar, but okay. every club's circumstances is going to be different because clubs have different, clubs spend money on different things. Some clubs spend more money than others based on the revenue they get in. So in my opinion, it has to be Instead of paying wages, it's our level it has to be more replaced than the revenue that's lost. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's what they've got to concentrate on. Otherwise, it'll just get messy if they, if they go down to a level where every club has to ask for a portion of their wages to be covered because everyone's going to have different wage budgets. Of course.
0: Now, yeah. speaking of funds, funding, um this week, Dan has seen South Shields Football Club begin... Of one or two initiatives in an attempt to um, plug the gap of income a little, um, that's been met with mixed reviews. It has to be said, um, and uh, some of some of the comments on social media have been pretty well nasty at times. I guess. Um, but... it's the the, the thing about South Shields Football Club is we are seen as having a a millionaire chairman who can bankroll the club. So why the hell are South Shields Football Club asking supporters to give
2: money? Um, bit unfair, isn't it? Very unfair from my point of view because I don't think they realise how much money and effort Jeff has already invested in the club and to ask him to... To just simply bankroll this with, without any support, yeah. when you consider the, the potential cost it would be, I think it's it's unfair to, to expect that of anyone, no matter what, no matter what their wealth might be. Um, but Jeff is committed to supporting the club through this period. Yeah. But it, it's it's just a case of seeking a little bit of support for people who want to support in that way, and not everyone will be in a position where that they can. A lot of people will be worried about the jobs. A lot of people might be losing the jobs at the moment. Yeah. So it's not a case of us begging for donations from everybody it's we had requests specifically on social media from people who wanted to help in any way they could so that was the mechanism we thought of well we'll set up a page where they can all direct it to and who knows down the line if that money helps us significantly and we're back in a strong position down the line we may be able to reward those people down the line with something Uh, but obviously we can't commit to anything like that at the moment no, but then um, the the season ticket initiative has gone down really well in terms of numbers. We've already sold more than hundred season tickets for next season. Um, but I'd like to stress that that wasn't that didn't happen because of this situation. That was actually planned to go out and the day, did anyway. Yes, it was just it was just unfortunate that it came at the same point as this um, coronavirus shutdown. I guess, but we always plan to do that at that time.
0: Which it did we did last season as well if you remember yeah. and I, you know, we all took advantage of it um and, and, and the, the initiatives that that were announced this week did you know if I was always you know um, sure that it came from support it was supporter driven it wasn't club driven mm-hmm. the the initiatives that were supporters actually asking mm-hmm. to, to to try and support in any way they could um and so Sorry. therefore there's Sorry. been the, one Ronnie.
1: on that point. Like I said before, it's it's personal choice. If yeah. someone wants to, if someone loves the club so much, and they get a hell of a lot out of it, a hell of a lot of value out of it, and if they want, it's their choice. If they wanna, if they wanna donate, and if the club um, provide a facility in which to do that, mm. then surely that's fine. Because again, like we make our own choices in life, and if you want to donate to South Shields or you want to do- donate to something else it's your choice it you know it's like sometimes people get angry for the sake of it i think um i think this was another one of that of those things
2: mm-hmm. some of the comments were from people who are saying things like how could you do this when people are concerned about the jobs but what they don't realize is that there's a, a lot of people within south shields football club at the moment who will have concerns for their jobs so this is yeah. it's the only way that we as a club can try and influence it if if supporters want to donate, we give them a facility to do it. Yes. But we're, not gonna, we're never going to pressurise people into doing it because we know what what challenges people are facing at the moment. Of course, yep.
0: you, you talk about the club having employees. Um, mm-hmm. Half the playing staff, or more than half the playing staff are full-time. Um, the There's full-time admin, team, admin staff. There's mm-hmm. the coaching staff. Um, those wages have to be Paid somehow, so uh, our personally have no problem with any kind of fundraising. I mean, if I if I think back to earlier in the week, FC United probably beat us to it, didn't they, the FC United were already um, announcing initiatives, and um, and Darren Tinmouth asked um, a question um, for uh, for us to to answer uh, by bringing forward the early bird season ticket offers and fundraising drives. Without sounding arrogant, do you think Shields could be providing a template for other non-league clubs to
2: follow? Potentially. I mean, I have seen um, various other clubs going down the same sort of road. Um, I think um, even clubs in the Football League have started to do the, the, the early season tickets to help with cash flow at the moment because cash yep. flow is is the issue for all clubs at all levels at the moment until this financial support package comes from the government or the FA or wherever. If it comes, there's an immediate problem with cash flow for clubs at all levels. Yeah. So I think you will see you will see this happening more. Um, I know Hyde United are selling virtual match tickets, <laughs> virtual pies, pies. And, uh, which is which is great. <laughs> <weird. laughs> virtual pie. Yeah. I don't see the same criticism for Hyde United. No, we had, you know, it's, it's look, because we it's, this
0: it's cause it shields. It's because it shields. Oh. There was more oh. stuff on uh, the NPL group thing last night. Um, it's because it's it's shields. It's shields. It's shields. Um, it's one of those things we're just going to have to put up with it,
1: I guess. done. So, in terms of the players, mm-hmm. what, are they kind of self-isolated as well? In there because I mean, a lot of them are living together, right? Or have they gone back home? Or can you? On that, yeah,
2: to the best of my knowledge, the lads who are not based in South Shields full time, in terms of like who actually live here, they've mm-hmm. gone back to the North and, and various other places for now. Um, but I think they're going to be given individual training programs to keep them um topped up so that when they come back, they're not going to take a, a massive amount of time to get back up to speed again. Got, we've got a good bunch of lads in terms of they keep themselves fit away from the club as well, so I don't think there's much concern about that. Um yeah, but we're just to wait for it to happen. Really, that we can come back.
1: I, I, I guess. I guess we don't know what's going to happen, but it could become more and more difficult to actually get out and get fit. So you're going to be talking about like you could be talking about indoor fitness sessions and all that kind of stuff, but uh, in your house, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, what I mean,
2: Andy Morris, I think, is looking at that now. Um, he's shared some some things on Twitter over the last few days. I think Wimbledon's um club doctor put something on. Or the, or the fitness guy put something on the other day yeah. about exercises that can be done at home to keep you yeah. in tip-top shape. So yeah. I think we'll just be looking at ways to do that, really. Yeah. Um, the
0: um, one, one, one aside from that is the fact that the longer this goes on, um, potentially the more of the following season Luke Daly could be back for. I mean, clearly Luke was never, ever going to be fit for the start of what should have been the 2021 season in August. No, you know, he was never going to be back for that, but, um, he might be now, uh, if, if the following season doesn't start until whenever. Um, so every bit of football we're missing now was potentially football. He could play. So that would be a a massive boost. It was good to see Luke at, um, at Bamba bridge as well, looking in, in good spirits. Um, and of course, he was never going to be fit for August because he was still on crutches a fortnight ago. So, um, um, so another question, some more questions. Um, Dave Orr has asked a little bit about um, Dom McHale, um, only stayed for a couple of weeks um, and then left. Um, Dan, is it right along the lines that Dom was really only ever here? Well, not only ever here, but it was more of a trial
2: basis for him. Pretty much, I think that that's my understanding of it. Very similar to the, the Jordan and Ear situation early in the season, where um, they were presented with a player um, who was looking for a club and they invited him to train and mm. they wanted to look at him in match situations. Um, so the idea was that he would play in that Morpeth-Integral Cup tie, but that, that didn't work out because he wasn't quite registered in time. Yeah. Um, but then because of the, the injury situation at the time, because he was registered, he was eligible for the game against Grantham on the Saturday. Yeah. And he ended up playing a key role in us winning that game. Um and that not that, on effect from that was the, the game of a chance to start games, but ultimately um they were then presented with the opportunity to, to get Barley Mumber and loan and I think that was an opportunity they just couldn't turn down so that that had to review the, the Dom situation plus mm-hmm. the fact Dom had a, a good opportunity at a good club like Ashton United to yeah to go and play closer to home. So I think it just Probably probably suited everyone at that time. Mm. He looked like a decent player. He looked
0: good on the ball. He did. I think he was carrying a bit of timber, wasn't he? Yeah. He,
1: like
0: he was carrying a bit of timber to me. Um But good player. Decent left foot, Hey, eh? Yeah. yeah. He, scored a, he scored a crucial, crucial goal for us. No yeah. doubt about that one. Um, Dave O asked that question. He also asked about monitoring of players' health and temperature checks. I, we've obviously talked about the players' fitness, but the health and temperature checks, I guess... Is only if they're feeling symptomatic, um, and if they've gone home, uh, if they've gone home, Dave, which Dan's already indicated, then um, I'm pretty sure that they'll be under the auspices of their local GP, the local medics, etc. If they were feeling symptomatic, it wouldn't be a club thing, monitoring temperatures. Uh, Dave also asks a third question: What's the feasibility of shields playing behind closed door games with other local clubs to maintain skills and fitness? Um, I think given what the government um, put, put across uh, last night, then the, the actual opportunities to play games behind closed doors are going to be very, very limited. Would players actually want to play?
1: Yeah, you've got, I mean, if you play a game behind closed doors, if you add in the coaching staff, the subs, the squads, the support people, you're looking at at least 50, 60 people which yeah. is probably classed as a as a gathering um, in these this circumstances. So, you know, clubs wouldn't want to do that because they're breaching the advice of the government, I suppose. Yeah.
0: Although it was interesting to see that the Australian Rules Football League kicked off. Oh, yeah, i seen that. Yeah. Um, and they were playing behind closed doors. So um, it could what? be done, I guess, it, I, oh, for the, me,
1: Have for you me? seen that picture of them on Bondi Beach? Bondi Beach is absolutely packed. No. So I don't think the Australians have quite grasp what's going on mm.
0: I don't think I don't think the locals in Newcastle grasp looking at the big market <laughs> the other night either so, um, but I guess the, the the to answer Dave's question that would depend I'm assuming purely on the players and management would they actually want to do it and if they felt as though that playing games behind closed doors would breach you know government driven guidelines then the answer to that Dave would I I would think would be no. Um, who knows? Things change. Things are changing daily, and so we would have to uh, follow that. But talking about players' fitness, availability, contracts. Um, Bali Mumba and Jordan Hunter are on loan to us from Sunderland. Dan, um, the, the, are they loans till the end of the season, or are they loans till
2: May? I think with any agreement like that, the the contract has a start and end date so it's not about season it doesn't happen on a seasonal basis there's always a an end point but the i'm expecting i would I would hope anyway that if the season goes on beyond that time the FA will have something up the sleeve whereby contracts get automatically sort of extended yeah just till the end of the season whenever that is just because that's I think that's the only fair way they can do it yes they might yeah. have, they might have an end date on those contracts but in reality, they were here till the end of the season, so I would imagine they would have to grant automatic
1: extensions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, by the way, that Bali Mumba is some player. Equality. Oh, his centre of gravity, and how quickly he can turn on the ball. Uh, how could he not get in the Sunland first team squad? I, 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 well, you know, it's, dif- it's different levels. It's hard to it's hard to it's judge. He's only, levels on,
0: the levels, the difference in levels, aren't as big as you'd imagine, really. Do you think League One? is an extension of League 2, really. Not a massive gap in quality. You get, you get to the National League. Yes, there's a, there is a golfing class, but it's not as big as it used to be. Yeah. You think of how many ex-pros are playing Northern Premier League football. There's a lot of quality players. Um And to be fair to the kid as well, you can, can take a dig, can't you? Because um, the Nantwich lads got stuck into him, didn't they?
1: Oh, aye, aye, aye. Yeah. Um, that's the hardest thing about coming into this league. You'll get tested physically. I mean, Aaron Thompson's learned that, Hunter's learned that. Um, We've had players in the past who have come down and played a decent decent standard in in the youth team, people like Dan Wright and people like that, who just couldn't cope with the physical side of this level. So you've got to kind of, I suppose you've you've got to earn your right to play in this league. And the first thing you have to do is... Uh, match your opposition physically and then you can start playing. And he he doesn't seem to have a problem with that at all. (laughs) No, he he reveled in it. Um, Moving on
0: on a different angle slightly, but again linked to the the, the change in the calendar as it were um, because the the season is now, who knows when it's going to restart, if it is at all. Dan, the share issue. um, Mm -hmm. I've read in the last couple of days that the club's share issue... Uh, may well be kind of brought f- kind of a bit further into the public domain
2: in April is that right? Well that, that was the plan all along has been well for the last couple of months the plan has been to start it on April the 6th that's when we will put the shares live and then, then yeah. there's a period of 40 days where the campaign will be live to people, for people to buy shares we're obviously we've got that under constant review at the minute and we are considering just postponing that for the time being because we're not sure April 6th will be the, the right time no. to go to go live with it. I mean, the, the company that we're using to help us with this, obviously do this sort of thing all the time with, with other, not so much football clubs mainly, but with other um, businesses. And they say they haven't noticed a massive difference over the last few weeks in terms of how many people are buying shares in companies like this. Um, but as a football club, we, we're, we're unsure. We're a bit nervous about whether that will be the right time to do it. So we'll probably make a decision on that over the next few days.
0: Yeah, I guess it probably would give pe- some people more ammunition to have a go saying, oh, you're asking for money again and probably, all that. Yeah. So, um, so, Dan, um, you are an employee of South Shields Football Club. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, like anyone else, the uncertainty at the moment is, is really, really making things very, very difficult for you and everybody else associated, well, in any in any job. Mm-hmm. Um, what... I, I, what have, you been, uh, what have you been doing with your time? I guess it's as busy as ever, is it?
2: Yeah, it's still as busy as ever. I mean, it's, looking at it in one way, we haven't actually missed a lot yet, so it's only been a week since our last game, so it's, it's not like we're, we've massively missed out on a lot yet. It'll, it'll be in the coming weeks when it gets more of a challenge, but I've just thrown myself into everything, really. So I was delivering merchandise yesterday um, to people who bought ordered it online, um, but obviously various other, other initiatives that we're that we're looking at um, over the coming days and I'll be delivering car race tomorrow as well along with yes. quite a few, quite a few <laughs> other stuff as well so just, we, we will keep ourselves busy and the, the important thing is that as a club we get ourselves in the best position possible that when this period is over we're in a strong position to go again and we're not having to play catch up so we can get all we're ducks in line if you like now so that when this period is over we're ready
0: If you think about it Potentially, if and when football restarts, the first game back could be with at home on a Saturday. I
2: hope so. I hope so. Oh,
0: yeah. I, I can just see crowds just flocking to every possible mm-hmm. public event. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whether yeah. it's football,
2: tennis, cricket, squash, balls, you yeah. name it. Um, Will they let crowds in? That's the that's going to be the issue when the, when football comes back. Are they going to let crowds in?
0: Uh, wouldn't that be a shame? Home tomorrow, uh, if nobody allowed in. Goodness no. me! I and mean, then no.
2: I would
1: be—I wouldn't be able to go on the mic again and do the uh, the PA system. I know. Shaba. That was fun. That was fun. Dan, I, I was going to—I was going to ask. It is it okay if I order um, four Sunday dinners for uh, Banbury Studios tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, of course.
0: Yeah. Um. Peter Robson asked. Peter Robson asked if we can mention. Shaba. I mean, for those of you who don't know, that comes from Phoenix Knights <laughs> And Ronnie goaded me when when I was doing the PA system for Jeff Maine last week, who was isolating. Um, you've got to you've got to say shaba. And um, <laughs> I hope I hope I hope Jeff Thompson doesn't mind. <laughs> yeah. I think he might be sacked off of on your first attempt. <laughs> I done it before but not for first team. Uh, but again though no, that was if you if you think when we scored the fifth goal I I, I got over excited again. I, I think I was shouting like get it you know. Yeah. And, uh, but it was just the whole day it was just it was magic. It was a magical afternoon. Yeah. And just think you know if if we could just get the National League North and we could just get to playing you know big games, local derbies, you know home to Spennymoor home to the gate set or whatever just think of the atmospheres that could be built at Mariners it could be it, could, it would be yeah. absolutely magical
1: um, so if, you, if you think of all the the rememberable games that that we've had um, all of them have come from an atmosphere where we've had a considerable amount of away fans in Mariners Park yes if you, if you think about York Hartleypool, um, the Vars games um, other games as well Morpeth, Morpeth would have been that um, that's that's the difference it's, the, it's yeah. the amount of away fans the size of the teams like Spennymoor York etc etc it will it will be uh, like it was on Saturday but more often and yeah. that'll bring people in left right and centre and it'll be fantastic
0: Dan when you, when you see crowds like that coming to Mariners do you, do you get a, a feeling of kind of um, know, how should I put it you know just
2: real pride
0: a feeling of real pride
2: of like- definitely yeah cr- crowds like that don't just happen you have to create a, mm. you have to create a story almost in the couple in the, before the game to get people to buy tickets and get people to buy into it um, and there's a lot of hard work goes in behind the scenes from, a, from a, a pretty small team of people so when you see that sort of crowd while it's a challenge to to handle it on the day in terms of the logistics I mentioned before it's It's great when the when the game kicks off and that's that worry's all gone and you can see the crowd absolutely ran like it was uh, last Saturday. yeah I think it, anyone in the club would feel proud of that, including yeah. from from Jeff downwards it must be must feel very proud absolutely it was
0: just a wonderful thing to be part of and you know one day we'll get back to that, I'm sure, but when we don't know, when we do our next podcast we don't know it depends on what we've got to talk about um we we just felt as though that we needed to do this right now to to kind of wrap up and round off the season as it stands at the moment and um, we could go on and on and we, we could talk any we could talk about a whole host of things but it's so difficult given the the unprecedented times we're living in right now um before we wrap up gentlemen is there anything that you wish to to add to what we've already discussed
1: i think for me um one of the other reasons we i want to do this podcast was obviously people are used to to go and watch south shields on a saturday and through the week and if if it's helpful for them to get their south shields um fix and it helps them because it's going to be quite boring being self-isolated and all that kind of stuff. For me, if it if it helps people get through it, then I'm up for doing it. And you know, Chris, you and I could could talk forever about this, right? So we're not gonna, we're not we're gonna have quizzes and stuff like that, but we're not we're not gonna be stuck for things to talk about. <laughs> no, no, no,
0: we're not. But. Um, it depends on who wants who wants yeah. to listen. There was a. It would be nice to get even more listeners. It would be great to get more listeners, um, to potentially even join in. And even if we, I don't know, do a do a live one on Mixler or something. Use the yeah. use the Mixler app and do a live one. Obviously, with the isolation going on, and that's not quite possible. But
2: um, uh,
0: Dan, is there anything you wish to add, mate, before we before we wrap things
2: up? Um, yeah, I mean, um, in this, you mentioned what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks, but. We also want to help in the community as much as we can, where we can. So yesterday we were, we went to a cash and carry with a food bank. um, And we brought some food and goods back to the Key key to Life food bank, which is based at the library. So there was um, myself, Colin Doherty, who is the the business development manager at the club. And um, John Shaw came along as well. and, And Jeff did briefly as well. So, I'm gonna be releasing um, sort of the, the details from that over the over the coming probably hours to today um, yeah. but that's something we're looking to repeat down the line and we've all offered our time to help out in the in the food bank as and when requires over the coming weeks but if there's any other community groups who who require support then get in touch with the club and if, if we can at all help then we will
0: fantastic um yeah. Great stuff, Dan. Great stuff to everybody involved with those initiatives. Um, so um, we hope you've enjoyed um, this rather unusual podcast. Um, and again, just such such unusual times that we're living in. We hope you've had a little bit of your South Shields fix. If you want more, just tell us. We'd be delighted to to come up with something for you. Um, but on behalf of myself, Uh, That's Chris May, Ronnie, Pete, and Dan Prince. Um, We wish you well. Stay safe, everybody. Look after each other. Don't stockpile toilet roll. Um, I'm still on the lookout for some hand wash if anybody's got any. I've been looking for five days. I'm running out. Hurry up. And I'm worried that I'm going to have dirty hands. Um, I saw people fighting over toilet roll the other day, by the way, in, in, in a supermarket, which was bizarre. Um, but no, on, on a serious level, thanks very much for joining us, Dan. We really appreciate you giving this club, club angle. Um, Ronnie, thanks very much indeed um, for taking time out of your busy European schedule. And, um, and just on behalf of everybody involved with the podcast team, the commentators, Gary and, and Michael, who've been doing a great job in recent weeks. Um, look after each other. Um, enjoy yourselves how you can. And fingers crossed we'll see you all at Mariner's Park in the not-too-distant future. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to this Mariner's Podcast. There'll be another one along soon.